You're listening to United and Resilient, a podcast designed to help heal and support the El Paso community. Hello, I'm your host, Mariana Sierra, Outreach Coordinator for the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center, a program of United Way of El Paso County. We are dedicated to serve those who were impacted directly or indirectly by August 3rd. Join us on the journey to long-term recovery as we have honest conversations with local leaders, mental health specialists, and fellow El Pasoans who share their stories and expertise. We feature topics that influence and impact the vitality and resilience of our community. We are El Paso United, and together we heal. Juntos sanamos. Dear listener, Before we begin, a note of warning. The topic we're about to explore contains a mention of the mass casualty event and a description of the events that unfolded thereafter. This episode may not be suitable for everyone. Hello everyone! Welcome to our first episode, the start of our resilient journey. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we'll learn about the history and the background of how the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center was established. We will learn why the United Way of El Paso County was entrusted with such a unique program. And also, we will discuss the importance of long-term recovery and resiliency. For this episode, we have two amazing guests. They're great leaders in our community, and they have worked really hard for this program since day one. Joining me are Deborah Zuluaga and Christina Lamore. Hello. Thank you, Mariana. My name is Deborah Zuluaga, and I am the president and CEO of the United Way of El Paso County. Thank you. And Christina? Hi. Uh, my name is Christina Lamore, and I am the vice president of Community Impact at the United Way. And basically that means I head up the department that provides all of the services and programming within the community. Christina, how long have you been with United Way? I've been with United Way for about a year and a half, almost as long as I've been part of El Paso. And Deborah, how about you? I have been at the United Way um, during two different uh, times, uh, about 25 years. That's awesome. And I bet with those 25 years, you've had a lot of experience to get to know the El Paso community and the uniqueness that we have as El Pasoans. Absolutely. And I think that is one of the things that makes my role here at the United Way uh, so interesting. And it is to have had the opportunity to watch the United Way evolve into an organization that really has Uh, worked very hard, especially over the last year, to meet the ever-changing needs of the community, and at the same time, really to see the community become a very vibrant and binational and uh, beautiful community that it is. And I know, Christina, you're new to El Paso. So what are your first impressions that have gone through your mind this first year in El Paso? Well, it's, it's funny you ask that because social media the past couple of days have been reminding me that I got here almost exactly two years ago. Um, and 
Coming to El Paso was, again, a unique experience for me. Nothing. I'd never been here before. Um, Never really been to much of Texas before, but I'm not really sure you can consider El Paso the same as the rest of Texas. Um, But when I came to El Paso, what I really noticed was, number one, how friendly people were, (laughs) Um, how much they just really welcomed you with open arms. Um, and one thing I, one thing I always tell people is, you know, you meet somebody for the first time, you get a handshake, you make them for the second and and ongoing times you get a hug, regardless of whether it's a business setting or your neighbor, or maybe somebody at the supermarket, who knows? (laughs) Um, so just, just the fact that it is such a welcoming, um, and friendly environment was something that really, stood out to me, um, coming from other places that maybe are, are not the same way. Yeah. You know, when I go out from El Paso and people ask me like, what is this binational kind of thing? And I always try to explain what is El Paso and Ciudad Juarez. And honestly, my response is you have to be there to actually understand because we're so warm and we are so welcoming. And that's why El Paso uh, United Family Resiliency Center is such a unique program from the United Way. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. I know United Way is... um, involved in the emergency response that is in El Paso. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So um, United Way actually holds a seat um, within the Emergency Operation Command. Um, And what that is, is a command center that when there's a disaster, whether man-made or natural, um, or an emergency of some kind, um, the United Way is there to help support the operations within the community. Um, Mostly... um, when dealing with other nonprofits, helping to communicate, facilitate different volunteers, donations, um, any type of mass care that is needed for the community, um, United Way helps to step in with that. Um, and so United Way is is part of that on an ongoing basis, um, not only during disasters, but um, we hold a seat there at all times. So what happened exactly when August 3rd came around? I don't know if Deb wants to take that question. So, you know, I think um, for all of us here in the community, I think the initial response was just uh, in two things. Number one, disbelief. Uh, I don't think there were any of us that could ever have even imagined or could even have thought that this was a possibility that we would be the victim of a mass casualty event. Um, I think the other thing, the next kind of the next step and thought and action on behalf of the United Way was uh, where do we step in? Where do we help? How can we make that difference? So almost immediately or very shortly after uh, the whole community began to engage and to began to um, address and step into action, the United Way was called upon to take our place at the emergency command center. And uh, we were very fortunate. Um, One of the things that I think the United Way Uh, really has and really um, why we are the organization we are is because we have an exceptional staff. We have an exceptionally dedicated staff. We have an exceptionally um, professional staff. And so uh, one of our staff members uh, immediately went over to the um, emergency command center 
um, and took their place to begin to coordinate volunteer efforts, uh, began to um, uh, work to address the needs in mobilizing uh, individuals and organizations to begin to work on addressing the immediate needs of the families, the community, uh, the first responders. So um, that was our, our role in the early days, in the early day, uh, the first two days. Um, and then on Monday, uh, the Christina, uh, our vice president for Community Impact, and myself joined with other leaders from other um, nonprofit organizations, uh, our large, two large community foundations, the city, the county, uh, and numerous others to begin to really look at how we were going to uh, work together as a community to, I think we even really realized early on that this was going to be a long time healing process. And so we were uh, just within our own organization and with other community partners beginning to identify ways that we as an organization with our resources, with our ability to convene, could begin to make a difference and begin to heal our community. We knew it wasn't going to be something that was going to happen overnight. We knew this was going to be something that was going to be very, very long term. Um, But we also knew that the United Way uh, would play a very important role in that. And we would do whatever we were called upon and asked to do to make a difference in our community. And that that's what I love most about the name of the program, El Paso United, because that's what we saw. We were so united. Um, and you mentioned, Deb, at the beginning that this was a first thought of disbelief um, when someone close to me called me and I was like, no, this is this is not happening. This is not real. This this can't be here um, in El Paso. So what were your thoughts what, when, when you were giving uh, this responsibility on, on, in your hands? So when we were asked, and, and um, so Christine and I were called to a meeting with some key community leaders, and um, uh, we were asked to consider uh, taking on the long-term response and standing up um, some sort of a healing center. And um, I think your initial response is, you know, uh, I think a little bit of, wow, can we do it? Um, And then this immediate response from both Christine and myself, um, without even really uh, having a conversation between ourselves was, of course, we will do this. Um, Of course, we will do whatever our community needs. We will uh, we will do whatever needs to be done to make sure that we're when called upon by our community, we will get out there and do the best job we can to begin that healing process. And so uh, while it hasn't been, sometimes it's been a little bit of a rocky road. We've hit some glitches, um, you know, but I think one of the things that that we've never wavered from our uh, responsibility. Um, and, and I think the other thing is, is that just that high um, regard that our community turned to us to look at and do this. And I think that was a, I think it was a moment of, um, you know, we, we were very humbled to recognize that um, both uh, our staff and our organization was called upon to take on something as important as the long-term healing after, uh, you know, an unbelievably um, uh, sad and tragic uh, community event like our August 3rd event. Did you want to add something, Christina? I did. Um, I Just kind of hearing uh, Deborah talk a little bit, um, it definitely, we, we didn't really know 
how we would pull this off, right? And we weren't really sure that we could, but just knowing that others within the community had that faith in us um, and believed that we had the ability to do it and we were the best organization for the job, um, you really can't say no. <laughs> in a situation like this, um, when, you're, when you're called to duty, you respond. And so that's really all that went through our head. Um, we didn't really think it through at the time. Um, um, and, and like Deborah said, um, we, we didn't really have the time to do that because all of this happens so fast. Um, but again, when others believe in you, you start to believe in yourself. And so that's kind of, um, how it all started to come together. And now going a little bit more into the basic, what is El Paso United Family Resiliency Center? What do we do there? How do we serve? Well, um, so El Paso United Family Resiliency Center is um, the community's long-term response um, for community healing in response to August 3rd. Um, and what that means is it's a place for all of the services to come together um, all of the communities to come together um, and find resources for the needs that they have um, in relation to August 3rd. Um, we have a staff um, of resiliency navigators that sit down with community members, uh, learn about the needs that they have and help to um, personally manage their cases um, on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Um, so regardless of what their needs might be, they help them find food pantries. They help them set up trusts um, to manage their finances. Um, they help community members find different forms of healing, whether that be mental health counseling or some of the non-traditional therapies, restorative yoga, even Zumba therapy, <laughs> just kind of different ways, uh, different outlets to, to aid in the healing process. Um, the Resiliency Center also works really hard to collaborate with a lot of different partners in the community, bring everybody together so that there is one source of information um, and that that information can be disseminated effectively throughout the community so that um, different community members can understand um, what trauma looks like, uh, the signs to look out for in their neighbors and their coworkers and their friends. Um, and then of course, once they see signs of trauma, what they can do about it and um, the resources that are available to them. So the Resiliency Center really strives to be all of that um, and to work really closely with different collaborators within El Paso to, to be able to offer services to, to all of the community. Mm -hmm. And what has been the response um, from the community to that program? Um, Great question. Um, I think to this point, we we haven't been able to get the word out as much as we had hoped to. Um, and we're really stepping up outreach efforts in that right now. Um, but the individuals who have been roped in with both our resource navigation and the different types of therapies and healing, um, we've gotten great positive responses. Um, even just reaching out with a phone call and, and asking how people are doing um, especially during this time when everybody is closed in their homes, um, they really appreciate just the thought um, and and our staff reaching out to to think about them and just let them know that they're not alone. Um, we've gotten great positive responses from everybody that we've encountered. And I know, um, well, United Way was entrusted with this program. And I want to ask that question, what makes United Way uh, the best equipped agency in the community to take 
the lead in this long-term recovery process. So, um, Mariana, I think the most important reason that the United Way um, was asked to take on this responsibility is because we have a history of um, we're almost an organization that's almost 100 years old. Um, and we are always evolving and changing to meet the ever-changing needs of the community. But one thing that has never changed is that we view our role as a convener. We view our role as not doing everything ourselves, but as bringing in partners and uh, other organizations, other leaders to, number one, listen to um, what we are learning from others, and number two, to really recognize the value of partnerships and that the United Way will not be doing this alone. As Christina uh, just mentioned, uh, we have uh, wonderful other nonprofit agencies. Uh, We have a lot of um, agencies who are going to be working together with the United Way, uh, very, very qualified individuals who are providing not only wonderful counsel and advice and guidance, but also providing direct services and resources for these families that have been impacted by the August 3rd event. And I think the other thing to really um, focus on is that while we certainly are working closely with many of the individuals who were um, directly injured or, you know, the families who sadly lost a loved one. But we also know that um, our entire community has been affected by this. And uh, there are so many individuals who are, um, who were touched by this in, in not a good way. So the Family Resiliency Center is here for the entire community. And one of the things that we are really looking to do uh, once we really get things moving, uh, once we have the ability to really increase our awareness and our um, awareness of the resources and the programs and services we're going to have, is that what we're going to really work on is to recognize that everyone heals in a different way. And we're going to work very, very hard uh, as the Family Resiliency Center to make sure that we are helping our past ones learn the way to their healing, helping them find their way. We can't tell anyone how to heal, but we can certainly help them find their path to healing. And that's, I think, the role that the United Way plays in partnership with so many others in this community. And what Deb, Deborah mentioned is so, so important. Everyone has a unique way of healing, and that's the main focus of El Paso United Family Resiliency Center. We want to make sure we meet the needs of the community, and I want to touch a little bit on that. How did United Way uh, make sure that this program was um, was the right fit for El Paso? So I think what we do, what we did and what we've done and what we have a history of doing is we turn outward. We look outward. Everything our United Way does is looking outward. We we really listened to the experts, um, you know, and I think one of the things that I think Christina spent a great deal of time on was um, learning from other communities. And while sadly, you know, the saddest part of this is, is that we were able to learn from other communities who've been through events like this. And while we can take what we learn from them and make it our own, but we did spend a lot of time listening to what other communities have done. And then we brought it back. But more importantly, we listened to the families. We listened to individuals. We listened to the experts. We listened to the people who are knowledgeable. We really listened and took in their advice and counsel. 
as and continue to and will continue to the whole time we have El Paso United Family Resiliency Center is we're going to listen to the community and they're going to tell us with their expertise, with their knowledge, with their feelings and emotions, uh, how the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center can make a difference and heal this community. This is United and Resilient. We'll be right back. I am Angelica Mata Lindstrom, a volunteer coordinator with the United Way of El Paso County. Where was I on August 3rd? August 3rd is forever ingrained in my mind. Saturday started as a normal day for me. I woke up early, attended my favorite workout class, and I mentally prepared for my traditional Saturday. What do I mean by a traditional Saturday? For close to a year, every Saturday, I had been actively involved in providing volunteer support at a hospitality center that welcomes asylum seekers within the community. Saturdays were the highlight of my weekend. As I was getting ready, I noticed my sister had texted me. She informed me that there was an active shooter in El Paso. I immediately searched online to get as much information as possible. As I searched and read, I could not believe this was really happening. But most important, I don't think I could fully grasp or understand why. At that moment, so many emotions ran through me sadness, anxiety, and confusion. El Paso is my home and I had never considered anything of this caliber even possible within my home. After confirming the safety of my family and friends, I was glued to the news. However, there was one important thing I knew I needed to do, and it was to continue with what was planned for my Saturday, my volunteer day providing support to the asylum seekers. My family asked that I not leave the house at that moment. There were still many unknowns. Was it over? I clearly remember my response. I could not be at a safer place than at the shelter. I was not scared nor hesitated in going, even after knowing an individual came with the intent of causing harm to people like me and people I was helping. And I did. I continued as planned. Do not get me wrong. Many emotions were going through my mind, but I still at that moment could not process what had truly happened to El Paso. As soon as I arrived at the hospitality center, I went straight to work. We had just welcomed guests and started preparing them for their stay at the facility. Suddenly, I received a call. The Office of Emergency Management needed our support on site at the EOC. Our organization, United Way of El Paso, had been activated. I drove to the EOC, a bit unsure of what support would look like. I entered the room. It was an organized community collaborative operating machine whose task was to focus on assessment, and assistance for El Paso and its community. Our strength in numbers with everyone helping El Paso. After being presented the situation and having a better understanding of what occurred, we immediately got to work. In collaboration with other agencies, we needed to provide support by identifying volunteers with transporting items to the various staging areas. They were transporting water, snacks, etc., all on site. I contacted our volunteers and asked for their support in this time of need. Without hesitation, they said yes. Yes, of course they were available and ready to help. These selfless individuals, still a bit uninformed on what had just occurred in our community and needing to be flexible with our request, wanted to help. They put the needs of the victims, their families, and our community before themselves. Their willingness to help astounded me. I was given a front row seat to seeing these peaks of strength and resiliency El Pasoans have. 
This set in motion tears, tears not just of sadness for my community, but tears of hope for my community because of the volunteers' determination and selflessness. Our immediate support did not end on August 3rd. It continued for the following weeks. In collaboration, the United Way of El Paso deployed on-site volunteers to the Family Assistance Center, a safe haven for those directly affected August 3rd. Again, the volunteers' willingness to help amazed me. As I mentioned, the support didn't end. It continues to this day. The community, El Pasoans, we all are continuing on our path. An inclusive, loving, resilient El Paso. We are not El Paso strong just in name. We are El Paso strong. I know one of the most unique parts of, of, of this program is that we are a bicultural. We have Mexico right next to us. We have Ciudad Juarez and a lot of people from Ciudad Juarez were also impacted by August 3rd. So how did you make sure you also met the needs of Ciudad Juarez residents? And that's a great question. That's definitely been a concern of the community and, and something that the Family Resiliency Center has kept an eye on. Um, we've definitely included um, residents from Juarez in a lot of the listening sessions that we've been a part of. Um, we welcome anybody and everybody to access the services that we have available. Unfortunately, we're not able to cross the border um, and offer services directly in Juarez, um, but we, we do try and find as many resources that are available um, across the border as we can. Um, another important thing is we've established a great partnership with the Mexican consulate, um, and we work very closely with them to make sure that the needs of their community are met um, and that we're able to offer services uh, bilingual. Most of, I'd say 90% of the team at the Family Resiliency Center is bilingual. We offer um, all of the navigation, the non-traditional therapies, all of our literature um, in both English and Spanish. We just try and make things as accessible as possible to both, both communities. And I want to ask, um, what you, we've mentioned this term a couple of times now, but what does long-term recovery mean for our community? Well, so long-term can mean a lot of different things to everybody. My definition of long-term could be different from yours. Um, and so how I interpret it is that um, we were helping this community to heal in whatever time frame is necessary. Um, what we've learned from other communities is that it's not a two-year process. Recovering from trauma and losing a loved one is not a four-year process. Um, it's seven years or more. Um, it, it really just depends on the person, the individual, um, and it depends on, on how the community responds to that as well. And so that's one of the reasons, as Deborah mentioned, why we feel that the Family Resiliency Center needs to be so flexible in terms of continuing to listen to the needs of the community um, and adjusting the, the resources that we have to offer um, in order to accommodate those changing needs. Um, and we're really, we're in this for the long haul, as, as long as we can be, um, and as long as the community is, is needing the services that we have to offer. That's awesome. And Deborah, I would love to hear your definition for long-term recovery for El Paso. 
Well, it's not going to be a, a much different than what Christina said. Um, but I think that one of the things that we know is that um, healing is a word that sometimes we use uh, without really understanding what that means. And so I think it is just really a recognition of of how do we make sure that the United Way and our partners and the wonderful and dedicated staff that we have at the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center is just making um, working very, very hard to help every individual in our community that has been impacted by this tragic event finds their own path to healing. And it's really about being there for individuals and for the community. And on that note, um, what is resiliency in El Paso? What does resiliency look like in El Paso? You know, we've had, um, I've had an, this conversation with a number of different um, uh, leaders uh, as we talk about the term resiliency. And it's a little bit like um, like the word healing, and it is a little bit like the word strong, and it's a little bit like the words, some of the words that we that we say um, with with wonderful intention and intentionality. But uh, resiliency again is uh, something different to every single person. Uh, but it's just about becoming um, a stronger, uh, healthier, more. Um, having the ability to meet the next, and although I don't think any of us thought the next major uh, community-wide incident or or, uh, event was going to take place so quickly after our our mass casualty event on August 3rd, but it's just a recognition that how we as a community, how we as individuals, how we as organizations and and, uh, leaders meet those challenges and begin to address them and to help the community get stronger and get better after these events. Awesome. Thank you so much, Deborah. And now I want to touch on why was that name chosen? El Paso United Family Resiliency Center. I know um, El Paso Strong was a big phrase that was used and is still going. You can see see uh, stickers and cars and T-shirts and everywhere around El Paso, you'll see El Paso Strong. So why was the name not El Paso Strong and El Paso United Family Resiliency Center? So I think, you know, certainly um, I, I know and uh, certainly El Paso Strong is, is a wonderful, wonderful way um, to look at the community. But I think as we listen to um, families and people that were directly impacted uh and, and again, we were all directly impacted. But as we began to listen, one of the things that we did start to hear was people who said, you know, I don't feel strong, but what I do feel is united. And I feel united in my ability to uh, be together with my family and my community and uh, to really get through this and, and to come out again, the other side of this resilient. So uh, it became very, very uh, clear to us that that um, we wanted to be united as an organization, as a community in addressing this. Yes, we're strong and yes, we want to take it on strong. But the more important way for us to do this, uh, to address this uh, pan- this um, this event is by being united together. And so it kind of, of course, fit with our name, United Way of El Paso County. So uh, it was just a, a recognition that the name for us was going to be El Paso United Family Resiliency Center. 
Thank you. And Christina, I want to ask you this question. How can El Pasoans help uh, the FRC mission? How can they promote our, our mission and our goals that we're trying to accomplish? Well, great question, because everybody wants to help, right? Everybody wants to be involved. Um, and I think the biggest avenue for that right now is to help get the word out. Um, to help spread the news that the Family Resiliency Center is in operation, that we're here to provide resources, we're here to assist the community. Um, and I think for general members of the community um, that want to help with that mission, it's really about you know getting the word out and helping to identify people who might need those resources. Um, one thing that has been a challenge is you know, letting people know that we're here and that we want to help. Um, and so just helping to spread that word um, and helping to um, identify folks who might need services that we have to offer. I think that's the best way that folks can help right now. That's great. And I know El Pasoans want to help. We saw it um, that day. The first thing that they did is they went out and helped any way they could. Um, I was blown away. And I was so proud to be part of this community. Um, and now what are the next steps for the FRC? What's going to happen now? <laughs> well, good question. So um, first, I guess what's happening right now. Um, so as we know, the um, COVID-19 has kind of shut down the community a little bit. Um, it has not shut down the services that we have to offer. Um, our staff at the Family Resiliency Center are working remotely, um, but they, they're still working. They're still providing services to um, the clients that they have active right now. Um, and then the next steps that we're hoping is, is working with more partners in the community to be able to offer different types of programming, different types of non-traditional therapies, um, and just alternatives to your basic mental health counseling. Because as we mentioned earlier, um, not everybody responds in the same way to, to direct mental health support. Um, and even those who are enrolled in counseling on a regular basis, um, experts tell us that these non-traditional therapies can help to enhance the, the counseling that they're receiving. So we're really hoping to find these different types of non-traditional programming within the community um, and figure out a way to offer that to, to all of the community. Um, we have to look at what that looks like now that um, social distancing restrictions are in place, um, but we still know that it's an important thing, and especially now that um, being at home can increase stress and anxiety and, and even trauma. Um, we want to make sure that there are still continued resources out there for, for folks to access. Of course. And you mentioned something so important and we um, I'm not going to shy away from it. We're going through difficult times and we we're all going through it together. Um, so I would like to open the floor. What would be a message you could give to the community during this time? A message of hope for the community? Oh, oh man, no pressure. So, um, you know, when I think about El Paso, I just think about a community that comes together, that um, works things out, that finds a way, um, and that, you know, 
works together united. And I think that really is um, the way that we become resilient and we become strong and regardless of the circumstances. And it can get us through everything if we just work together. Um, I was on a phone call the other day where somebody called me scrappy. And at first I kind of took offense to it, but then I was said, no, I'm proud to be scrappy. I figure things out. I can, I can get stuff done um, with the things that I have. You know, and I just feel like that is El Paso is is we can get stuff done and we can use what we have um, and we can work together. And so I think that's really the biggest message for people right now um, is regardless of the circumstances, please reach out. Um, if you need it, seek help. Um, and that's the way that we're really going to come out of everything on top. That's a that's a great answer. Um, I would love to say to the community to stay strong. Uh, Deb mentioned earlier that we have overcome so many, so many things and we will overcome this too. I just want to thank you, Christina and Deborah, for, for joining me in this first episode of United and Resilient. Thank you so much for your time and for your answers. We loved having you here. Great. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me on today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this content serves you and your loved ones as well. If you enjoyed our podcast, please do not forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at El Paso United FRC. To learn more about our commitment to the community's long-term recovery, please join us on the next episode.